Hello, Internet. I am the Adam Glass, and I am here with my good friend, Pat. Pat, say hello. Yes. Hello, I'm John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. And as a special guest, well, I mean, <laughs> you don't know episode. that he's a special guest since this is this is episode zero of a project we're starting. Andy Heaney, say hello, Andy. I am not John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. Well, it's true, he's not. You guys are both terrible at saying my name. I know, right? The both of you. Listen, it's Japanese or something like Hey, anyway, Internet, sorry to sorry to get distracted already. Uh, Pat and I, uh, with TwoBrains.com, have decided that we're going to start a little project uh, in which we review, well, not really review, really just discuss every movie released by the Criterion Collection. That's called Lost in Criterion, and it's going to start in a couple of days. But we thought it would be fun, since we're putting everything together, if we did a little special episode zero. Uh, so this isn't Lost in Criterion. This is Pat, me, and Andy watched Die Hard, and it's Christmas, so let's talk about it. And Die Hard is the most appropriately Christmas-themed movie ever. Well, it's a, it's a great Christmas movie. So it uh, is. It's got everything. Let's hear some intro music, and we'll be right back. I can't whistle loud enough to do that right now. That, that, that was the intro music provided by... Jonathan Hape. No, it wasn't Jonathan Hape. Was oh, me. wait, no. That's our, next our time. Our theme song is done by Jonathan Hape, and I look forward to you guys hearing it. But not this time. But, but right now, uh, it's just me whistling Beethoven. Poorly. <laughs> poorly. Incredibly poorly. Yes. I can't whistle, guys. It's true. Okay, so. All right, so. Die Hard. Die Hard, the 1988 action film directed by John McTiernan. Do we, do I we know it's 1988? It is 1988. We, I'm reading it. Adam has right Wikipedia open, which is usually my job. Right? Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, based on a movie called Nothing Lasts, or I'm sorry, not a movie, a novel called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. Uh, he wrote that in 1979, a sequel to his 66 novel called The Detective. The Detective was adapted into a movie starring uh, Frank Sinatra, I believe. Really? Yeah. Um, he and then uh, the author saw The Towering Inferno and had a dream about a man being chased through a skyscraper with... Uh, with guns, or by people with guns, and and poorly acted Germans, <laughs> and poorly acted Germans. And also, it was in the dream, and and, 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 one, and Korean. one Korean, and one Korean. It was all in the dream, um, and then decided to write a sequel. Uh, it was kind of Frank Sinatra said no to to it being a sequel to the movie, uh, so they kind of retooled it and tried to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do it, which is interesting because uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third Die Hard movie. Also started its life as a Frank, or as not a Frank Sinatra vehicle, but like, uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle, and ended up getting retooled to a Die Hard. Um, but so basically, it, what we've learned is that every single Die Hard is a retooled version of some other movie. Some other movie. So uh, this ended up starring Bruce Willis in one of his first action roles. Uh, he was a comedy actor before this, and as Pat and I are intimately familiar, he is a comedy actor after this. Yes, he in is. Hawk in, in the greatest film ever made. The movie that Pat and I are the only ones it's on the planet who like. And I'm sure you'll hear about it again in the future. Oh, so uh, this stars, obviously, Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman as German terrorist Hans Gruber. Uh, Alan Rickman. It's, it's interesting. Let's just, let's, let's just go. How did everyone feel about Alan Rickman's German accent? I thought it was wonderful. I thought The only was, redeeming factor of the movie. I thought when he was doing a German accent, it was okay. But considering, <laughs> considering he didn't care enough to actually keep he it He is up. amazing. 
He has a German accent for maybe three minutes of the movie total. I don't remember that. I, I remember him. <laughs> I don't he, remember he, the movie. He was like accent. someone from North England doing a South England accent. <laughs> Until he became someone from North England doing a poor, very poor American accent. Proto South Texas accent. It was weird. Yeah. That's that. It's like, I can do an American accent. Howdy, y'all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is an American accent. Yeah, it's true. Please don't hurt me, Mr. Willis. <laughs> it's very interesting. That scene where uh, where Gruber and and uh, John McClane meet uh, wasn't in the original book. Uh, besides that, this is very true to the book. Really? Um, be, uh, have you with, read it? With a few changes. I have not read it. But <laughs> I read the should. Wikipedia article about it, which is almost like reading it. Yes. Um, in the book... Uh, our detective is visiting his daughter instead of his oh. wife, who works for an oil company. So wait, um, how how old is our detective supposed to be? Uh, he's retired. Okay, he's, so he's there's some minor yeah. character. I think changes to accommodate a fairly yeah. young Bruce Willis. I'm still concerned about the the uh, scene with him meeting Hans Gruber though, because that's a major plot point when yeah. he sees him on the photo. And yeah. he puts it two and two together. So well, apparently matter. he figures this out some other way in the novel. I don't know. But well, there is what's his face the 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 d bag. Sure, Maybe he just sure. gives it away in yeah. the in the book or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. they could have rewritten that. Um, but uh, anyway. I'm sure everybody who's seen the movie will know who what's his face <laughs> the d bag is. <laughs> yes, we don't. We what's his name? Ellis. We or don't something like Ellis. That? Ellis is his name. In fact, it's it's so true to the book that most people's names are the same through the book. Wow, including um, Hans Gruber. It's, it's actually like Anton Gruber. <laughs> Oh. That's even less German. But, uh, I know. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, it's already the most, like, generic, like, I can't think of a German name, German and, name. And obviously the Japanese boss has a different name Yeah, than, like, well. his, his novel equivalent. Anyway, what I was getting at was uh, that scene is not in the movie. Uh, the director, and I suppose screenwriter, but I don't know. Excuse me. The director, uh, Alan Rickman arrived on set. And the director was apparently so impressed with the American accent Alan Rickman could do. Uh, I think the director they, put a fast one on Alan Rickman. He's like, that's a really great uh, <laughs> accent. Do you want to do that in this major plot point, which will make the movie way more interesting? Either that or he's just very easily impressed. <laughs> the director well, we well, is like an eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> we are talking about the guy who uh, directed both Die Hard movies, uh, Last Action Hero, The Thomas Crown Affair, and most recently, Rollerball, Basic... And the Thirteenth Warrior. So he just is in, incredibly easily impressed. <laughs> yes, yes. You he can is. swing a sword. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Do you want to be in this movie? I just have damn. you seen my lizard? <laughs> I like turtles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know what my favorite show is? I can't think of any. The joke witch. falls apart with the jungle. Yeah. The moments. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, folks. Dora the Explorer makes her first appearance in Lost in Uh So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the director's so impressed with Alan Rickman's English accent, or American accent, apparently equally as impressed by his by German, his German accent. accent. You know, it would have been better if they had said they were German and he always just talked with his normal English accent. It would have been kind of the the sort of like suspension of disbelief that we go through whenever you watch something like a Star Trek movie and everybody's speaking English. Or something that's set in ancient Rome. And everybody's everybody's speaking an English accent. accent. Yeah, it's like, well, we will just accept that no one here can do a a, a, like middle... 
Roman accent or something like that. And it's it's weird uh, that you know there's like no Ger- no actual Germans in this movie. There there were the the uh, the guy Carl the, Carl yes well, him and uh, Orson Welles or not Orson Welles Wells. <laughs> Orson Welles is this film. Uh, Andy Warhol yes yes um, his brother interestingly the uh, the man who uh, played Carl is Russian uh, not German but oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, well he's Soviet I guess that doesn't actually necessarily mean he's Russian he, he could have been East German that's um, true he was born in the Russian Far East so uh, okay Siberia he's, he's uh that. Isn't that Alaska? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Russian Far East of the Aleutian Islands. <laughs> um, so uh, that's actually the the farthest you can get from being German yes. and still be Russian. <laughs> okay, so that's our our casting crew in <laughs> this masterpiece. Yes, that's not mentioning much about Bruce Willis, but that's okay. No, I, 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 the the lack of German. That's yeah. that's a notable point. Yes, yes, he yes. Did yes. <laughs> Lots of hair, even on his yes. chest. Yes. Yes. Well, that never goes away in any film. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, actually, the the Germans in this film remind me of the uh, the remake of Red Dawn that just came out uh, because that movie that movie was shot when it was shot. It was supposed to be the Chinese invading America, and then they decided that making the Chinese the villain would mean they couldn't sell it in China. I disagree so about in, that entirely. In post production. They decided that it was the Koreans who invaded the North Koreans, so they, they they just changed all the insignias digitally. I think they should have just made them Russian. Yeah, would have been fine. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, well, to, well it's a little it's a little different. Yes, changing yes. in post. Yes, yes. <laughs> see, see, to an American audience, the Chinese and the North Koreans are interchangeable because we're racists. Oh, but the Russians and the <clears throat> the Russians and the Chinese they look different. That's a shame. Because the Russians, they're principally white. I'm colorblind. See, uh, see. That's very noble of you. You've lived in Japan far too long. So, let's see here. Now, what do we want to talk about? Actually, actually on that note, this is, this is a very special episode because Pat, me, and Andy are all here live together. Uh, that will never happen again. Any other episode we're going to record of this, uh, Pat's going to be in Japan. And I'm going to be in the U.S. And, and Andy whatever. won't be here. <laughs> Andy may not be involved, but whatever whatever guest appearances we have, we're all going to be in separate places on Skype, I believe is what we'll end up using. Uh, I pretend like we haven't Andy, done 40 Andy, episodes Andy, Yeah, Adam is, Adam, is, Adam is doing some sort of mind trick. We've already recorded 40 episodes. It's true, it's true. We're putting everything together. He's like a Jedi. Um, let's see. This movie, this movie has some of my favorite uh, character actors who play jer- jerks. Okay. Um, it's got uh, it's got uh, what's his face that was in Ghostbusters. Oh gosh, Reginald Bell Johnson. No, <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson is not a jerk. He's like Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. I am so also glad. not in Ghostbusters, is he? No, Reginald Bell Johnson should be, in, should be in more things. He should. Uh, uh, what's what's Atherton. his name? William EPA. Atherton. He was oh. he was also in a uh, William Atherton, the reporter in this movie. Yes, it was also. Who gets punched in the face by yes. Molly or Holly McLean? Yes, um, Bonnie Bedelia. Yes, Bonnie Bedelia. The actress. Which I yes. find impossible to pronounce. <laughs> that is not a name. I, Adam watched me struggle as I read the box cover of Die Hard to say Bonnie Bedelia. Yes. Uh, so William Atherton, who's, who's played who's played great assholes in a number of movies, yes. uh, including brilliant this one, at it. Uh, 
Real Genius, one of my favorite. Oh movies yes, as well. yes, one of our favorites. Die Hard Two. <laughs> he is also in Die Hard Two. That's true. Which will be the next Christmas episode. And also, then the uh, the deputy of the uh, police department is played by Paul Gleason, who is oh, and he's very good at uh, being an asshole. <laughs> yes, uh, brilliant, brilliant as the principal in the Breakfast Club. Oh and, wow! And brilliant here, putting uh, putting John McClane on double secret probation. Yes, right. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, trying to get him not to, uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of great actors in this movie, but it really it's a lot of great actors not doing very good jobs. Yeah, not being motivated, I don't think, to do a good yeah. job. It's it's a pretty mindless action movie, so it's hard to complain about it. I mean, no, I mean we we, I we managed while we were watching it to yeah. complain. I can't say that I don't like Die Hard. We no, nobody can. Um, <laughs> there's one topic that needs to be breached right now, which is. The, the presence of nudity for for yes, no identifiable yes. purpose. Yeah, that is really weird. Like, um, so most of us have only ever seen it on TV, which means so it's minus nudity. So, so we, we watched it on, watch DVD. It on DVD. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the first time I've ever seen it on DVD. Actually, I, I, I really did, think even that. though I've owned it for probably eight nine years. Did they ever follow up on the the hotel scene? What no, was, what was no. The point? I think so it's followed up. There's a lot of weird. I mean, anywhere else. There's a, there's a conservation, a, a lack of conservation of, of uh, ideas and materials here. So John McClane's getting off the plane, and he makes googly eyes at the stewardess, <laughs> and nothing happens. Right, right? okay, and, and I was, uh, I'm under the impression that that was to give us the understanding that he is full of wild animal magnetism. <laughs> and that his wife, his wife is an idiot for, for running away, for yeah, running for, away. for going away. Yeah. And then he, he walks out into into the, the and, and I, into why the does he comment about California when he sees the girl jump on her Be, boyfriend? Because she is is it her wearing, pants? I think it's, she's wearing almost translucent, skin tight white pants. Okay, uh, so something that's totally normal yeah, now. Yeah, was it normal then? Uh, in eighty eight, uh, maybe oh, I don't know. It's California. California. Yeah, I know it's California. I, what in nineteen eighty eight? I was three and living well, in, yeah, living in Troy, Ohio. They were not common there, I'll tell you that. I do not think they were common here either. <laughs> but, you remember that? I don't. Uh, I, I don't remember anything before the age of 17. <laughs> <laughs> right before, I don't remember anything before now. No, now. Well, I mean, now. I can't prove that anything exists right before now, but I, I still try to pretend to remember it. But, um, yeah, so... Well, and, and, then, and then there's just a bunch of, like, little Really things. random nudity. There's, there's the, 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 when, when the tower is taken over... Yeah. They drag the lady out of the room and there's nudity, which yeah, I had no idea they, was in there. They were like in the in the middle of some office sex. Yeah, and it's um, weird because it's nudity with like it Well that in movies of this time, every time I've seen them, usually there'll be there'll be some really randomly placed boot. Yeah. And that, that, that you're supposed to is, see. It's usually like but it's usually it was really presented. Subtle. It was really subtle. Because at that time, as far as I remember and see in movies like there's you know the PG thirteen has a limit on it, and or the not, or the rated R has a limit on it, and they'll show just that one, they'll, they'll yeah. just yeah. barely scrape on the mark, right? Mm. And it'll be just there. Also, you'll, you'll be like, oh, there's a boob, but this one was more like they just wanted to, to subtly integrate yeah. it into the movie. That was, a, that the was movie. a really sly thing, but then uh, but then, then later like, they're just obvious. Twelve seconds later. There's a really weird scene that doesn't make sense visually. Like from it makes a, from no a, sense. From a composition standpoint, John McClane is facing the camera. There are windows behind him, and he picks up so a it's phone. So it's in and he's in the room in a place where, facing yeah. the direction he's facing, the window would be like yeah. 30 feet away. He can't be looking out a window. 
Uh, but but we get this in cut scene. It, did someone like hack your DVD? Is this, I don't is, know because this is a woman yeah. changing clothes in a window that is probably yeah. at least even, a quarter of a mile from away. Our, even from our view, even from our view, we're well, we're very far away well, from it. They're in the tower, and the outside the uh, composing shots show it as a single yeah. business. There's nothing around it. Yeah, yeah it's like exactly a it. and it appears that he's looking out a window. At a woman changing her clothes in a hotel room. Yeah. That's probably, according to Andy, as far as we Andy's observation, <laughs> it's like a half probably mile away. at least a half mile away, probably more. Yes. So I don't, maybe it's trying to uh, establish uh, John McClane's powers of observation, being a or, New York detective. Well, we've got we've got powers of observation. <laughs> His weird animal magnetism makes boobs show up wherever he goes. <laughs> because then he goes he goes up to the roof and there's a, there's a random just nude poster up yeah. there for some reason. So uh, or the and other possibility for good luck. Yes, well later when things get serious, yeah, he, he, he pats the he pats the the I think it's even maybe a calendar. I'm not sure mm-hmm. uh, for good luck as though it is some sort of Buddha belly. Yes. Um, so yeah, just we had to get that out of the way. The really <laughs> re- well, and none of them are presented in a way where you could even really super notice them. Only the hotel change scene is really obvious, and you can't see anything in that. In yeah, that. Oh, you she's, can really she's identify really this person. In there. But like the other two is just like this really like passing shot. This moves real quick, and you're like, that was weird. Yeah, I can understand the ho- the the lot like the building maintenance staff thing is always like. Yeah. Uh, because everywhere you go in every movie, every maintenance room has a nude poster in it. Yeah, yeah and there, it's not even maintenance. It's, it's, it's part of floors that are still under construction. construction so yeah. it's like the construction crew, and there's some there's some graffiti up there that says Merry Christmas. Yeah, and I, don't, I think the implication stuff. is supposed to be that the builders put it there. And they're taking a very long time to build the building. Yes. yes. Even, even though all, all of the lower 30 floors are already in use, the last... Two floors. Well, I thought they were okay. renovating the building. Were they actually still building it? I I was left with the impression that they're still building it, but I don't oh. actually. I suppose I don't know that for certain. Yeah, no. They, she, he said that they're not finished yet. Yeah, and I think I took that to mean that uh, they're still in process. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so so he's destroying a building that's not even finished yet. That's yes. It's kind of a dick thing to do. <laughs> well. It? To, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, it's not his fault. <laughs> uh, although, you know, I kind of get this weird thing. Like, I kind of have to agree a little bit that if he had just stayed the heck out of it, no one would have got. Well, I mean, obviously, well, their plan, the boss still would have. Right, well, no, but they, they still had to blow the roof. That was part of the plan. Were, yeah, I can't tell if it is. But no, it's part of the it's plan. It's 100% they're, part of the plan? Or is it improvised a little bit because of no, the... No, they're running the wiring before, before McCain be, even shows up. And that's the whole thing. They need to fake their own deaths as well yeah. as the deaths of yeah. all the... the they don't understand that. They say, like, oh, if you steal $65 million, they'll come find you. It's like yeah, $600 right. million, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, I don't quite understand because... Listen, if you go to a place where they can't find you, they can't find you no matter the, how much you stole. Mm. The robber's plan is not one of the movie's strong points. Because, yeah, because like he's like, oh, we're going to retire on a beach, folks. And like, I think there's plenty of beach places where they don't have extradition treaties, okay? Yeah. Uh, Argentina, I think. I don't know. We don't, uh, This is not a podcast just, about... Let's non- just make things up about... Yeah, let's... Like yeah, let's uh, this is not a podcast about extradition treaties. <laughs> uh, actually, it probably will be in the future. But, um, we'll get into it, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, it worked for the Nazis, right? Yeah. There you go. They made it down there and they... Went to Brazil. Argentina mostly. Yeah. They went everywhere. We're sorry, Argentina. <laughs> We're so sorry. Um, 
if we have any Argentinian listeners, which we do not. Um, so, what we, oh yeah, the plan is just yeah absurd. Every level of the plan, like the amount of firepower they bring to bear for a hostage situation is madness. Multiple rockets. Yeah, <laughs> which when you think, like, assumes from the very beginning that they're going to launch some sort of full-on armored strike. Yeah. Which is, as far as I know, not usually in the police playbook. Even even in L.A. In yeah. In 1988. Like, because, like, even even in RoboCop L.A., basically, uh, they, they, I don't understand. Because, like, basically, the reason why they launched the armored vehicle strike is they do not believe that there are hostages. Yeah. If you make an announcement that we have hostages, they would never do that. So bringing the missiles is nonsensical. Uh, yeah, ultimately. Because you you have to assume that like they should have just announced they had hostages right from the beginning. Yeah. Instead, they let McLean, who is not a known entity, tell. Well, I think police. it was all part. Of, it was all part it. of the plan. They were just stalling for time. By the time John McCain blew the whistle. McLean. McLean, not John McCain. That's a John McCain. former presidential candidate Congressman John McCain. I assure you that was a slip of the tongue. No offense intended towards members of the Republican Party. <laughs> I'm sure John... Well, I mean, they, there, could be, there could be worse comparisons yeah. than, to, to, than to what a, a beloved Bruce Willis character. Yes, yes. Uh, who is getting another movie soon. Yes. Um, it involves Russia somehow. Yes. Uh... Um... But yeah, so I mean, what I'm saying is, is that the plan, right from the beginning, seems to hinge on Bruce Willis in some way, because he tells them that there are hostages. Why didn't they just announce there were hostages? Well, again, they were, the they, they were going to, because they, they said in, in the movie that he just uh, expedited the process. It was all part of the plan. He right, just but, like, but, they, but then he didn't, why didn't they make contact with the police as soon as they got there to let the police know not to come in? Well, because they wanted to there. get they wanted to get the safe ready. They wanted to have everything in hand. Right, I know, but like I mean, what he says, what Hans Gruber says, is that we can buy for time basically forever. Sure, as long as we have hostages. So, what is the point in not contacting the police as soon as they show up? You see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, Making yeah, official yeah. contact because if he doesn't make official contact, he can't buy for time. Mm-hmm. And the reason they send in the, the armored car is because nobody's made contact. Right. And they don't believe McLean. So, really, when you get down to it, Hans Cooper's a dumbass. Well, he even said himself he's, he's not a very good terrorist. He's a good thief. So, maybe yeah, he's right, to work yeah. on and his terrorism skills. And I beg to differ, considering <laughs> he lost all but three members of his crew. Yeah. Which you say is so he can have more money. But again, I think, maybe. But maybe again, hinging on... Lost. And then, again, still hinging on... Uh, a character who is a non-known entity at the beginning of the plan. Maybe he knew that McLean would be there. It's all a ruse. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, well, uh, plan was terrible. Plan Acting's terrible. mediocre. Um, no, I disagree. Acting, <laughs> superb. Acting, superb, just playing terrible characters. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I, Alan Rickman playing they're the doing, worst German... They're doing what they can with what they've been yeah, told Yeah, I, 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 the temptation to do his German accent is so strong. Um, but it would just sound like a, a British accent. Um, yeah. Except for when he speaks random German to other German characters, yes. and they don't understand. He says, <laughs> shoot the window in yes. German. And, and the guy goes, what? <laughs> shoot the window! And he shoots it. Yes. And then... Well, clearly, he's, he's a better one. German than them. Yeah. Right, yeah. So. 
Uh, Roger Ebert apparently didn't like this movie, giving it two stars. He's so, wrong. Uh, Wait, do they use a star system or the thumbs up? I, that's system? in his in his system here. Sure. I'm reading Wikipedia right now. Who knows? Um, he's he's quoted as saying he he particularly criticized uh, Paul Gleason's uh, police deputy in deputy police officer uh, uh, chief character for uh, what's he say here? Uh, all by himself, he successfully undermined the last half of the movie. <laughs> I can see that <laughs> because yeah, his his because you know, like you said, them sending them not believing that there's hostages, not believing John McCain is McLean. is McLean. I said McCain. <laughs> this is getting really Eddie rough, guys. Poisoned us. <laughs> um, I have not made the mistake yet. I don't think. I'll knock on wood. Man. No, well, as long as we don't call Reginald Bell Johnson Obama, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, <doing> right. Okay. <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson is one of my favorite people, and he really needs more work. Uh, I, I have a soft spot for Family Matters. Yes. Um, I Well, I kept assuming that we would make reference to it, even though it never happened, because <laughs> it's, the, it's the wrong timeline, but I, um, I, I can't like, help myself. I like that Al Pal is his name, because it implies he has terrible parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Al Pal is, our, is our, one of two black characters in the movie, the other being Argyle. No, Agent Johnson. Oh, Agent Johnson. I'm Agent sorry. Johnson, who was, only, who was only, what, eight during the Vietnam War. <laughs> one of the that. FBI agents who has one of my favorite lines. He was in junior high. Is what yeah, he was in junior high, high yeah. The other FBI agent is, is so excited to be flying around in the helicopter. With a giant sniper rifle. With a giant sniper <laughs> rifle. Uh, and he says, it was just like Saigon. And, and Agent Johnson says, I was, <laughs> I was in junior high. I was in junior high. Uh, dickhead. I think. Yeah, I, I love the I love the the antagonistic relationship yeah. between those two because yes. there's more than one thing where they yeah. are like where one of them just says something nasty to the other. Yeah, and then and then Argyle is Argyle. Oh man, Argyle. Argyle is a great character uh, who who could have could have solved well, some other problems. I described to you how I thought the movie should go, which is just more seeds of Argyle with the with the bear. With the bear. Possibly even like having a sort of a married with children event with the bear, talking coming, to the bear. yeah talking to the bear the bear talking back. We cut to that more often. Happened in married with children. I think you're. Thinking, it, am I thinking of the other one? No, it was what was it called? Unhappy endings. It was it very was married. The rabbit. The rabbit. Yeah, it was married with children esque. But oh, it wasn't very right. right. Um, what was that show I called? Hit the Road Jack was the theme song, yeah. but I cannot well, for the Mary life the of me. the Children did have the talking dog. At least it, the, dog, oh, the dog did talk but, 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 well, it, it didn't have conversations with the characters, but it had a human... Yeah, it had right. a yeah, but I'm thinking the other one with... Like, um, he's thinking, yeah. I know I what you're thinking yeah, of, and I, I know that the main character's name was Jack then because Hit the Road Jack was the Yeah, was the and so they... But either way, I wanted him to be having conversations with this bear in the back. And every so often, cut back. To, like every so often, cut to Bruce Willis and what's going on in the tower. Really make Argyle and the bear the main <laughs> character. It'd be a radically different movie. In fact, I assume it was shot and everything. And they're like, I think we're going to focus on the Bruce Willis character instead. <laughs> I, I, I want to point out that this great piece of information in the German dub of the movie, all of the terrorists are changed to not be German. Really? That's wonderful. Which makes so much more sense for the movie because yeah, that's the, what they are German. The German dub is probably better than the, yes. the American version so, of the dub. Uh, let's see. Hans is named Jack. Carl is called Charlie. Uh, Heinrich Car- Carl can be Carl still. Carl They're, could still be Carl, but they they want to they want to get us they want to paint them as just, British. We just apparently. we just we just wrote it as a C instead of a K. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh, and, and, and then to get around the fact that he writes their names on his arm, uh, there, is, there is a voiceover uh, as he's writing the names that says, I'm going to call you Hans and Carl, just like the two evil giants in that fairy tale. What? That's ridiculous. That's Why just not cut out that five-second scene? <laughs> Why not? Why not just cut out the arm thing? It's not necessary anyway to the story. It's not like we see it again. No, exactly. there's so much yeah. throwaway in this yeah, there's, there Like I said, there's no like conservation in this movie. There is so much that we only see once that could be you know some sort of Chekhov's gun, that could be some... MacGuffin or something, but it's just something we see. And yeah, I mean, it's gone. It's gone it's, forever. It's it's a sign of bad writing. But yeah, it's. I mean, there's yeah, there's just everything. Like we see, like they make a real point to show the gates come down in the lobby mm-hmm. and those guys getting ready, and they just get blown up by C four. Yeah, there's all these things that happen that like that don't matter. They, it's just yeah. not relevant. Yeah. Even the police are not relevant. We, we spend ten minutes rolling the police in, and they don't do. Jack. Yeah, and we only we only the hear, only police officer we, we encounter have, is the three. Yeah, we have so. three police officers who have speaking lines, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and then the FBI agents. But, right, and the yeah. FBI agents are nearly throwaway characters anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they do shut down the building, but you wouldn't even need the FBI to shut down the building. Yeah, well, you know, Al, Al was very important because uh, this role established him for a cameo in Die Hard Two. Yes, yes. So, so without and, this movie, and to be fair, Reginald Bell Johnson as the fat cop. Uh, became his his lifelong. Well, and, and, yeah. But the thing is, is that like he's not a throwaway character. He's yeah. the only I mean, real character that um, he's only basically the only non-villain that uh, yeah. that, that contributes that has characterization. Yeah, has yeah. characterization. Um, that's true. Yeah, and and he took out uh, Carl at the end. Yeah, so. he yeah. has you know which which is not even not just characterization of Al. We know a lot about Al, mm. but we get to see him grow as a person, yes. right, into a murderer. Yes. No. <laughs> into a murderer. Yeah. Well, a uh, murderer again. Yes. Yeah, right, right, right. Because I, I still, I want to see his mental breakdown. Like, no, not again. I killed again. Instead of it being a positive growth, being a negative growth. It, it turns out another no, cop right. actually shot Carl. He just shot him random by scissors. <laughs> He's another kid with a brain gun. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> not again. <laughs> That's why he's back the at the rest desk. of the film is just back at the desk in, in Die Hard Two. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, and then he almost shoots Argyle. Yes, yes. Because he gets all trigger happy. Yes. It's like no, no, he's with. Actually, I want to point out how long it took Bruce Willis to stop him. <laughs> like Carl, or not Carl. I'm more interested in the fact that none of the other police were interested in Argyle. Yeah, so Al, so Argyle come crashing out in the limousine, okay? Yeah. Which could only be described as the world's most nonchalant limousine crash ever, okay? <laughs> which, which, and it's weird because he didn't do that earlier. Right, he could have done that forever ago. Yes. Uh, so he, he comes crashing out, and after having shot down Carl, Al... Oh, you know what? Maybe he was listening on the CB and knew, finally knew, knew it was all over. Right. Why is everyone on the same frequency? Why I don't know. The entire there? world is on the same frequency. There are airplane pilots out there going, could you please get off the line? <laughs> well, to be fair, the terrorists do use their own... He, he dials into the hacker guy, who's another African-American character. There are yeah, actually yes, four African-American yes. characters. Yeah, which is actually a fairly high rate, I think, it's for a 1980s. Very high 1980s. Yes. And they're not... None of them are... 
Well, one of them is a bad guy. One of them is a bad guy, but um, he's the least, he's the least annoying. One of, he's one of the most least annoying bad guys. One of them is morally questionable. Uh, the FBI one? agent. Yeah. Uh, because oh. they do allow... Yeah, they do allow for 25% casualties. Yeah. But I think that's more probably in the United for, States. I thought they said 45 myself. Did they only say 25? I, I, I don't know. I heard 25. Okay. But it doesn't matter because it's supposed to be a yeah. absurdist anyway. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, we, we get... What were we talking? Oh, yeah, so the frequency thing. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, well, I don't they're, know. All tra- they're all transmitting on Channel 9, which is a distress frequency. Yeah. So why are they talking to themselves like, why, yeah, why are they to listening? the police? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are they all talking on the frequency the police can pick up anyway? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's really confusing. You wonder if maybe there are like cut, there are like scenes on the cutting room floor of them flipping dials all the time. So maybe, maybe, you can, maybe. You know that they're not all using the emergency <laughs> police. No, no, no. Let's, let's cut those. We want to have the naked lady instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> well, there is one point. We where, need more sexual tension. There is one point where Han and switches and talks to everybody on their own, uh, on, on a separate frequency. But that implies that when he switched over, everyone switched over mm-hmm. with not knowing that they should <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. All right, everybody, switch over to frequency five. And then the police are like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of little little problems. Um, one thing I really did love about the movie, though, legitimately, though, was the music. Yes. Uh, the, the use of leap motif. And, uh, <laughs> and that all the leap motif was, was Christmas music itself. Yeah, rearranged Christmas. I, I liked it. At the same time, it was a, a little bit... Overbearing at times. Yes, yeah. I do like it because every less, time something dramatic happens, I it, do like it less now that I read the Wikipedia article about it, though, uh, right. because apparently that was being done because the director uh, wanted to pay uh, pay homage to A Clockwork Orange uh, in its use of lead motif, which also featured Beethoven's Ninth and uh, some music from uh, Singing in the Rain that got used as lead motif here too. Okay. Did you ever find out who composed the score to the movie? Um, the guy who composed the score, it's, it's very interesting, because uh, I did look that up. And then forgot. And then forgot. Something to do with Brazil. guy named Michael Cannon, who also did the music for Brazil, uh, also did the music for a few other things, uh, also was a... Wow! Was a pop composer. If you do oh, not... He's, got, he's um, got great hair. If you, if you have access to a computer at home... Go see him on... Um, what, what century did he live in? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. He collaborated with Pink Floyd on the wall. Uh, he had... He, he had looks like he ought to be working with George Harrison towards yeah, the later he times. He had a very, very interesting career. Uh, and then uh, he also worked on Mr. Holland's Opus. Uh, and he just died in 2003, actually. Aww. Nine years ago. Um, looks like he should be working with Cyrano de Bergenac. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, he's, he's He's, yeah, he looks he looks like a 15th century <laughs> Spaniard, maybe. Spaniard. Uh, he composed the same music for the X Files. Ooh, um, I don't remember the X Files music. So, thank you, Adam. Oh, I apologize. He did not. He, I, I, I misspoke. I, I. He uh, only the Xbox movie. He used to be friends with with Mark Snow, who who composed the music. Why is that information? The one that information is on is on the. This guy used to be friends with this guy. He went to school. He went to school uh, and became friends with Martin Fulterman, who uh, was later known as Mark Snow, the composer of the Xbox music. Uh, I don't know why that information is there on Wikipedia, but it makes me it makes me need to stop. Skip Stop Wikipedia. In, yeah, we should probably just focus on what we watched. <laughs> but yeah, the music, I, I enjoyed the music, I did. Uh, yeah, I thought it was okay. Like I said, it was a little ha- heavy-handed at times, yeah. I felt. It um, kind of, like, every time something dramatic happened, the music got really, like... 
there's, there's, this is a dramatic moment. <laughs> there's a few moments at the very end, or toward the end, where the music that gets used uh, is actually from other movies, um, including a, a little bit pulled from Man on Fire and a little bit pulled from Aliens. Interesting. Um, I missed that. Uh, they're, they're on there because they were placeholders put in the soundtrack. And then... Forgotten? <laughs> the, uh, uh, the production company, since they owned the music anyway, uh, 20th, 20th Century Fox said, uh, let's leave it in. Nice. Gotta love it. Yeah. And that's actually the Nagatomi. Nagatomi? Nagataki? Nagatomi. 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 I can't speak Japanese. I know, but I'm not sure that's a Japanese name anyway. I'm not convinced. I've never <laughs> heard it before. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, you know, an amalgamation of two Japanese yeah, words. Anyway, the, the building uh, is uh, was the freshly constructed new headquarters for a... Really? A phone call? <laughs> for 20th Century <laughs> Fox. And hopefully and someone will pick up that phone for you. <laughs> This never happens. <laughs> Start over. It's okay. Just, just, just wipe it out. Really we'll stop. Back. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Look, look at look at the the sound waves of the recording too. It's like <laughs> it even looks angry. Okay. Well, well that's done. Uh, we're very sorry. That has never happened and will never happen again. <laughs> Probably not. Because we'll never ever record at my ha- my house again. <laughs> uh, so you, I do I do like when Argyle is playing his Christmas music. Starts a backbeat and he's asked to put on some and Christmas music. He says, "This is Christmas music against Run DMC and uh, Run DMC in '88." Uh, all rap prior, like 1993. It's yeah, it's the same. Sounds the same to me. And, and well, it's, Will it's Smith. kind of proto rap. It's pre rap rap. Um, so yeah, it's, it's lot, pretty awesome. A lot of very similar backbeats and a very yeah. similar flow and a very similar. Um, and that sort of like yelling every every yeah every other beat or whatever. Uh, we're 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 three white guys. Yes, uh, please know that we know nothing about yeah. rap. Uh, please, I'm actually one sixteenth Cherokee. Oh, so I don't believe that. No, no, no it's true. Okay, okay. So we are two and let's see, two and fifteen, white guys. So, uh, so forgive us uh, for any uh, for making any comments about rap. Yeah, I apologize for everything I just said. Yes. Um, what else is there to talk about? Um, that's about it for this movie. That's about it. Um, no, I, we should at least run it out to forty-five, though. No, so let's just no, talk no, about nonsense. Let's not talk about nonsense. Um, let's. let's was there this. anything else we could think of? One last, one last moment. Anything, anything else about the movie that bothered or, or did any of the hostages actually die? Or did they all? Well, um, other than obviously the ones they shot. But from from what died besides the guys who got shot? I, 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 I was just yeah, thinking no. at the end when, no, when the boss the Ellis explosion. got shot and the boss got shot. And that's it. It seems that that's everyone it. else made it out. Even that's though, pretty good. Even I, though I, we I, never really see any of the hostages come out at the end. Right. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, like we only have one innocent who's shot because Ellis pretty he much brought it on himself. Yeah. Brought him on himself. <laughs> like uh, what's his name? Um, Taka. Um, I forget what name they gave him. Taka. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember now. Takagi. 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 That's correct. Which is also not a name I've ever heard, but it might be one. I, I could be wrong. I certainly probably am. Yes. Um, he gets shot not of his own. Okay. He doesn't bring it on himself. Yes. So He's really the only innocent who dies in this film. As well... We don't know. Do the police officers in the armored vehicle die? He did um, shoot them. Because the stupid police... They got hit with that missile twice. Get him out of the car! I believe they are being shown dragged off. Yeah, but we don't know. No, those were the guys they shot in the knees. 
the, the you know, really, the, I think yeah. our police officers in the um, in the armored vehicle are probably. I would think they're dead. toast. Interestingly, yeah. we're we're right about that actor being Hawaiian, uh, but he is of Japanese descent. Well, yeah, sure. he's yeah, yeah, that's very common. So, right. I knew that he was Japanese, but I didn't know that, and I knew that he was probably Hawaiian Japanese, but yeah, I just think that I'm not sure about his last name being actually Japanese, or if it's more of a an American screenwriter's interpretation of what Japanese names sound like. Yeah, very, very clearly not a learned accent. See, that's yeah, that's pretty yeah. obviously. He was, he was born and raised in the United yeah, States yeah, somewhere. It's clear. Um, which, which, again, puts him a little out of place as the functioning head of a Japanese corporation yeah, in, in, yeah. in L.A. In which is opposed to, because they're, they're talking at times about, like, oh, it's a Japanese company, what would they think of it? Well, your boss is clearly Hawaiian. Well, it, it could have been, you know, biased hiring. You know, the Japanese uh, heads could have looked at this guy for their uh, American operations and said, you look Japanese, you're... It, it seems to me, but I think and, it would be more likely they would have sent somebody who speaks English. Yeah, my experience with this sort of thing only comes from other 1980s movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it seems right. To so me, what you're really saying is that it should be an American actor with his eyes pulled back, <laughs> pretending to be Japanese. No, this isn't a James Andy, Bond film. Andy no, Rooney, or? yeah, Andy Rooney. It should have just been Andy Rooney. Is what I'm saying. Andy Rooney and his racist portrayal of an Asian stereotype. Yes, that's who it should have been. It should have been Andy Rooney. In fact, in every movie that features <laughs> Japanese people. I like the movie supposition, the, the very much like, already kind of out of date by the time the movie came out, that like the Japanese corporations would be taking over the world. Yeah. Because like, by that time, we're getting pretty close to the collapse of the Japanese economy. Or we may even have had it happen already. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's the early 90s when it happened. But it still has that, that like, oh, the Japanese corporations are going to be everywhere and huge yeah. and... We're all going to be working for Japanese corporations, sort of feel to it, and it, it's. I can uh, think of worse things to happen. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> now we'll all be working for Chinese corporations. Yeah, but it's it's kind of they can't afford to feed themselves. So we'll, uh, it's we'll just one of those weird. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those weird things because I was watching. I was like, oh, I remember those. I remember. The, so it's just like one of those like oh the dreams of the '80s. All the best stuffs made in Japan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I just like that part because I always love those that eighties thing that like when you go back and watch a movie and you're yeah. like oh yeah or like any movie that features Russia having taken over the world or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that. Well, it's always fun to watch. What is, what is that movie? Uh, Wesley Snipes and like uh, uh, Sean Connery are investigating a murder at a Japanese corporation in in L.A. Oh yeah, you were talking about that, and I don't know. Yeah, it's it's also a terrible movie about it, with a with a certain amount of xenophobic fear of the Japanese yeah, corporations yeah. taking over. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely something that existed. But you know, we always we always have our enemies again, like the uh, like the Red Dawn remake. Right, right so now it's North Korea. What's China? What's actually supposed to be China? Yeah. Well, and, and more legitimately, probably is China. And, and yeah, just, uh, as as far as actual threats, um, yeah. possibility of actual threats, I'd say China. Although I really like to imagine a North I, Korea takeover of the United States would be I, awesome. I only have to think if if the uh, sky started filling up with North Korean paratroopers, they're probably all going to defect as soon as they hit the ground. <laughs> like, do you have any jobs? <laughs> Food? <laughs> yes, please. Oh, I don't yeah, you could fight off that invasion with a lot of hamburgers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, give them all five dollars in a hamburger and be like, "Welcome to America." Some Midwestern casserole, start a start a potluck for everybody. There's space out there too. Yep, we got them covered. Um, yeah. So that then there we go, everybody. We don't believe 
North Korea is a threat. <laughs> no, Neither is Japan. We don't. Uh, Japan wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really a threat back then either. Yeah. So, um, so our, yeah, our fears are weird. Yes, they are, and they continue to be weird. I personally am afraid of salt. Five more years, everyone will laugh at you for being afraid of salt. They laugh at me now. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I'll do that too. Um, I meant national fears, but oh, okay, okay. Fears <laughs> my personal fears of salt. Well, it depends on the kinds of salt. Well, yeah. Yeah. that's true. There's lots of salt to be afraid of, like that 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 pink salt. Yes. Why is it pink? Why salt? is it pink? I don't know. Is it the minerals? At work, I work. I work in a hotel, and at the restaurant in the hotel, we have uh, what we call Hawaiian black salt. I've seen uh, that. Which Why incidentally is, is white sea salt with a black colorant. Really? On it. Yeah. Uh, if if you rinse it at all, it will not dissolve. It will, it will, it will not at first dissolve. It will just wash off the black. Hmm. Uh, it stains our dishes all the time. I'm fairly certain there's actual black salt. I'm pretty sure there is actual black lava salt. Uh, but uh, we don't have it. <laughs> but don't tell them where you work. No, I won't. I'm not allowed to talk about where I work on social media. I will be fired. Well, good news, no audience. Yeah, no audience, no social media. Um, so, well, that is the end, I think, of yeah, I think Die Hard 1, I think we've talked our Christmas about special. Uh, so. Join us probably in a week. Starting starting very soon. Uh, if we'll be Lost in Criterion. Yeah, starting Lost in Criterion. With, what's the first, first movie? The very remember? first movie in Lost in Criterion is... Um, what is it? That, that uh, French movie about World War One? Oh, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, I'm just going to say it's Some of All Fears for fun. It's not Some of All Fears. Um, I'm sure that's not a French movie about World War One. I'm absolutely sure. Uh, but if you give me one second, quick, talk amongst yourselves. That one doesn't um, have Ben Affleck in it, does it? <laughs> some, some of All Fears does have Ben Affleck. Yeah, uh, it, it has, uh, what's his name, the, the same <laughs> one character. Yes. Um, Harrison Jack Ford, Ryan. The Harrison Ford played. And yeah. uh, and Alec Baldwin in uh, Did he? The Hunter of October. You know, I forgot about. It. I didn't realize that was even yeah. part of that yeah, same. I didn't either. Uh, there's a new one being made. I can't remember who's supposed to be starring in it. But I want to be Jack Ryan. It's certainly not <laughs> Ben Affleck. It might as well be. Yeah, it's not Ben Affleck or Alec Baldwin or Harrison Ford. Wouldn't it be awesome if it was all of them together and they just every other scene they like every, every they just keep changing back and forth between them? I would watch that movie. <laughs> it would be awesome. I would the same so person, watch that movie. the same characters played by three actors yes. simultaneously yeah. in a film. <laughs> simultaneously. Uh, anyway, uh, join us in Washington Criterion as Pat and I uh, get lost in the Criterion well, collection. What's the movie? The first movie is. The Grand Illusion by oh, Jean yeah. Renoir, uh, French, 1937 anti-war movie. War Quite good. Movie. I expect perfect. a drop in quality in the. Kind of ironic, everything. isn't it? An anti-war yeah. movie posted in, in 1937. It is. It is. It is a a deeply ironic anti-war movie <laughs> because it's all about the futility of war. Nice. Um, it is. It is. It is on its surface not even an anti-war movie, but it is all about the futility yeah. of war. Uh, it is a great movie. Uh, yes, it is, and we liked it. And we very much liked it. And as we'll stop pretending, um, that first episode uh, is a little rough. Yeah, so it was I recorded about uh, nine months ago. Yeah, we recorded about yeah, quite a few months ago, and it's very rough. But uh, we get better, I promise. Yeah, and we and hope to yeah. we hope to hear you again and hear hear back from you about our yeah, problems. Please leave feedback uh, on the website, which will probably. I assume we won't buy the domain lostincriterion.com, but will, I don't know. Let's not make any promises. We will try. But, but otherwise, you could definitely find it on with2brains.com. Yes. And 
And uh, thank you, Andy, for joining us this evening. Yes, yes. Perhaps we'll see you again sometime if you're ever Maybe available. Maybe next Christmas. If episode. you're ever available at 5 a.m. your time on Saturday morning. You uh, know, I always am, but uh, I don't have a computer that's capable of. Well, what what do you need? Internet. I have internet. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk we'll about figure this out later. sometime uh, not on the air. Thanks again. Thanks once again for listening. Uh, enjoy Die Hard. Happy holidays to everybody. It's New Year's yeah. Day now, and hopefully this will go out tonight. So, Happy New Year, Toya. Yeah, Have a happy good 2013. Year. Best of luck. Best we'll wishes. See you next time. We love you all. I love yeah. you. See ya. <laughs>